Episode 94, From Shepherd to Sheep. Educators, is your passion tank running on empty? Look no further. Gretchen of Always a Lesson has a double dose of just what you need. Come fill yourself up with an empowering educators podcast to start your day feeling empowered. Hey, Elite Educators, this is Gretchen from Always a Lesson. And whether you're teaching a lesson or you are learning one yourself, this podcast is for you. I'm here to empower you to reach your potential, and that is exactly why I call you elite, because that describes someone that takes time to invest in themselves by listening to a podcast just like this one to help hone their craft. Well, thank you for tuning in each and every week. I love those of you who are stopping by and leaving a rating and review for iTunes. That just lets them know to keep pushing out the show, which of course helps more and more teachers every day, but it also lets me know what you're enjoying about the show. So today's shout out is actually from Australia. This is back in September. Sorry, I'm just now getting to you to say thank you, but it's from Frisbee Dogs. The review says, as soon as the relaxed music of Always a Lesson gets started, I feel more peaceful. Life can be so busy for educators that this small dose of regular sanity is much appreciated. Gretchen is clearly a great teacher and her willingness to share and the high quality of her information is always much appreciated. This is a great show. Thank you. Well, I want to say thank you for your lengthy review. I really appreciate you taking time to sit down and, or maybe you're walking and doing it on your phone. However you ended up writing your review, I appreciate the detail that you put in there and let me know that you're, you're listening and you're enjoying the show. Must say, I this is the first time someone has said the show is peaceful. So thank you for that adjective to describe what I'm doing here each and every week. And I also appreciate you said it's high quality information because that lets me know that what I'm sharing is applicable to what you're going through. And of course, that encourages me to keep going. So thank you so much for stopping by and leaving your rating and review. Well, today I want to help y'all reignite your passion and your potential by talking about the one thing you need from a leader so that you can be your best. Hang on. This is going to be one empowering ride. Well, last episode, I told you I was reading Robin Jackson's Don't Underestimate Your Teachers, and it's only five chapters, but I swear I make it through just a few pages of one chapter, and I have to stop. It just really makes me think. You know, it's written for leaders to better understand the people that they lead, but it makes me think from the teacher perspective and then from the coach perspective, and I think that's why I need some time to just really chew on what she says. So the other day I had this aha moment. I realized for the first time why I was unhappy, depressed, not fulfilled as a teacher. And it's because I didn't know my number one motivator. And in addition to that, I didn't even advocate for myself for it to be met. And the reason I had that moment is because Robin was discussing two things that make can make teachers successful and unsuccessful. And that's will, and then there's skill. And some teachers don't want it, and that's will, and other teachers just don't have it, and that's skill. Well, skill, at least in my opinion, is pretty easy to fix. We have professional development. We've got mentoring and coaching. And, you know, in a short time, you start to see some small improvements. But will is a different beast. It's just hard to change someone's attitude, their their, their mental state, uh, their perspective, because that's linked back to their lack of will. 
Well, Robin really helped me dig down to figure out my number one motivator that kind of drove my own behavior and drove my will. And in order for that will to be lit, to make me want to go above and beyond, it needs to be present um, from that leader. So I'll tell you my aha moment and talk more uh, about the motivators in a minute, but I just want to share my story really quick. So I've had four principals and four assistant principals in my decade of teaching, which to me is just a lot of leaders. I used to think, oh, it was such a sad story, you know, of changing of the guards. But now that I look back, I realize it was actually the best thing for me because it helped me learn to grow under different leadership styles. And it, of course, helped me then form my own way to lead others and, and then become an advocate for myself. Well, when I first got hired in Charlotte, I had a veteran principal who let me do whatever. I mean, she told me I was a good teacher. She knew I planned well with my team. She knew I followed the curriculum. You know, the kids and parents love me, yada, yada. And that, to her, meant that she could kind of release the reins and then focus her energy elsewhere. So I'm not joking when I tell you that she completed a couple of my observations by looking at a magazine at the back of the class. And, you know, the observation was very specific. So she was certainly listening. And I did take the pressure off that she wasn't watching my every move, but that just shows you how long she's been education that she was able to just capture all that by memory. Um, I'm still very impressed by that. I know that, you know, I wasn't perfect and uh, I had a long way to go, but I towed the line and I had potential. And she knew that in time that I was going to be one of her greats. And so she kind of just hid in my classroom. You know, when the office got crazy, uh, too busy, people were in and out of her office, she would just kind of come in there and hang out. And she told me, oh, it's so calm. It's a happy environment. And that's such a compliment to a new teacher. Well, the day came that she was going to be taken from us. She was going to go to another school to turn it around. That happened a lot in our district. You know, when your school gets to the top, they move your leadership to a school at the bottom and help work their way back up and repeat, repeat, repeat. And she made a a comment to me one time, uh, you know, that I would be off soon and moving on to my next chapter. And and I didn't really understand why she said that. And she's like, you know, the good ones always leave. Yeah, at the time she was referencing teachers. But in that moment, once she was moved on, I was like, well, that happens to leadership too, unfortunately. You know, I love my job. I was told I was good at it. You know, but then she left and this newbie came in. And this leader was like nails in my back. You know, I was no longer allowed to fly free. Uh, everything was prescribed. Everything was checked and double-checked. And if I wasn't teaching the same thing at the same time as the colleague next door, I'd get called the office. And I felt like I was just the worst teacher. And I tried to wrap my head around how over the summer I magically lost all my teaching talent and potential. And I was just now this person with a heartbeat. And really thinking about it, you know, my observations were still good, but I didn't have that same support and that encouragement. And because of that, I completely flatlined. I stopped growing. You know, I hated going to work. Well, then fast forward, I realized uh, I could do something about that situation. I didn't have to feel that way. Uh, I didn't have to stay. So I had been at that elementary Title I school for five years, and I thought, you know, this is a great time in my career to try something new, shake it up. And the transfer fair was coming, so I could move to another school within the district before they would hire, you know, outside folks. Um, So I was looking for a school that was a different uh, population of students. I wanted more parental involvement. I wanted kind of a suburban feel. Well, I found it. I was hired, you know, within 24 hours after my interview, and the transfer was made for that following year. 
when I was leaving that principal, you know, it was sad to see me go and she wished I would stay, you know, but I knew that I couldn't really be me under her tight grip. Uh, so the school I chose was the same type of leader that I first had when I was hired. So she was a veteran. Uh, she recognized my talent immediately. She let me fly. She rarely came in. And when she did, she'd say like, you're always teaching in small groups, which makes me laugh. And the coach would tell me, yeah, I just had a reminder that it's a new best practice. You know, she <laughs> again, shows you how long she's been in education where it was all about direct instruction and very structured environment. And that was me, except, you know, I did pull small groups. But what I liked about her is that even though it didn't fit her preference of teaching, you know, she still allowed me to be me. Um, and that's what really made me admire her. Um, I was the happiest I'd been in years. I was heading up committees. I was taking on student teachers and, and new teachers in the building and leading professional development sessions. And again, I couldn't understand just in how that one summer, you know, when I had left my old school and started this one, that suddenly I was a fantastic teacher again. I, I didn't understand why the yin and the yang, and I was about to be reminded why. Well, the bomb came. She was retiring. <laughs> I was like, ah, not again, you know, and I went into her office and I told her, I came to the school because of you, and now I just don't know what to do, and um, I mean, I know that you really shouldn't pick a school based on the leader, but at that point in my career, I, I could be choosy. I, I had the track record where I could say no to one place and say yes to another and, and be okay with that and really want to find my forever home as an educator. And she told me, you know, I'd be fine wherever I was and whomever's leadership I was under and I'd just keep doing my thing. Well, as comforting as that was when the new principal came in, who was also a newbie, you know, I was back at the bottom again. Uh, she actually really loved me and she relied on me. And I was able to fly high until our school scores started to plummet. And so when she tightened the ship, she brought me into that. Before she kind of just let me do my own thing and she was kind of harping on other people. And now it was like we're all had to kind of line up. And uh, I didn't do well with that, you know she was tighter than the other principal from my past school. And I knew what was going to happen. And it did. The depression hit. I hated waking up in the morning. I wanted out. I didn't, you know, want to wait until the end of the year. And I certainly didn't want to wait to this, to the next transfer fair. I didn't want to keep hopping schools based on, you know, these leaders leaving. And it really made me think what else I could be doing. Well, at the same time, I was working part-time for the new teacher project. And so after three years at that school, I decided I was going to leave and go on a full-time schedule with them. Um, so I just had to make it through that, that year, but God, it was the longest year ever. So I say all of this to say that I am only one person, but depending on who was leading me, I was the peak or I was the valley. And looking back, my observations and feedback from all these principals was positive. And, you know, my ranking in the district was high, but when I was in it, I was clouded. I didn't feel that it was good like that. You know, I literally felt like I was all over the performance rubric and that I somehow couldn't maintain my caliber. And after reading this book, I now know what happened. Well, I'm miserable in any aspect of my life, whether, you know, professionally or personally, when I'm being held down. I don't fit the mold. I think differently. I act differently. You know, I often joke, I'm an island. It's because I'm I've, I'm fine with it. I've come to grips with it. Everyone tells me it's great. I stand out. I'm unique. I'm what others want to become. And those are really honorable words. But I know that I have this gift. I'm lucky enough to be paid to hone it because it means that not only do I love my job, but I'm passionate about doing it every day. But there were many days when I was not passionate and 
honestly, I would pay to just go flip burgers if I could just get out, you know, or, or maybe I'd even pay someone just to tell me I was good enough. I, I was just in such a bad place, even though I had all these great qualities, it was just stuck inside of me and I couldn't release it. And, and, and the more that I thought about it, the deeper it got, um, and my, I just lost my shine. I was the same person with the same talents, the same gifts, and the talents would come and the talents would go and the talents would come and the talents would go. Why, why was this happening? Well, Robin helped me figure out the problem. She wrote about these four motivators. She called it the mastery, you know, being able to do something 100% uh, purpose. You know, you're doing something because it's a higher calling. Belonging, you want, you know, to form relationships. And autonomy, you, you like that choice and that freedom. Well, for me, I literally froze reading the chapter on autonomy. It was me to a T. I am happiest in my relationship with my husband when I have my friends. He has his friends, but then we can still come together and have our own thing. And I'm happiest in my friendships when I can spend time with a multitude of people, but, you know, not just the same person every day. And, you know, I have a best friend, but we're not like clingy, go everywhere together type of people. And I'm happiest in my job when I can just have space and room to be creative, think outside the box, take risks and try new things. You know, and if my husband or my friends or my boss wanted me to fit in a box or wanted me close all the time, I literally feel like I need to break out of a straitjacket. I'm just, I'm suffocated by that intensity. Um, I need the autonomy. I need that, that freedom. Um, I need that space. And the times that I was depressed in my career was not because of the leader. This whole time I thought it was the leader. It was the people. And I know now that it's the leadership. It's the way that they were leading. It's the behavior. It was their mindset, not just who they were. You know, it was the way that they were leading me that either motivated me or it demotivated me. You know, and where was this nugget of gold when I was going through it? I really wish someone had told me that that's exactly what was happening and I wouldn't have felt so bad about myself. I would have recognized what the problem was. But, you know, hindsight 2020 with most things, Had I known that those tight grip principles were just not a good match for the way I needed to be led in order to reach my potential and therefore help the kiddos reach theirs, you know, I would have left earlier. Instead, I just convinced myself I was worthless, uh, you know, but I wasn't. And it just wasn't a match from the shepherd to the sheep. And that's why I entitled the episode the way it is. You, You do have to mesh. And it's important that you know in order to mesh, you got to know your motivator. You know, when you know it, you grow your self-concept, you fuel your tank with the right propane. And then when a leader comes across your path and you feel that tinging in your soul, just remind yourself it's, it's not the leader, it's the leadership. You know, go have a talk with them. Describe what you need from them in order to be your best. You know, they need to differentiate how they lead, just like you differentiate your leadership in your classroom for your students. If they want to be a great leader, well, then they got to care about the success of the kids in the school and they'll be ready to listen. They can't change overnight, you know, but you're going to be someone that they're never going to forget because you're going to push them to reach their leadership potential. They've got to think outside the box now. They got to learn how to lead in a variety of ways. Um, You know, and if that doesn't work, you know what kind of leader to go look for in the next school. And I guess that's what I was doing, but I didn't really know at the time. I couldn't put my finger on it. I didn't know what this was all called and what it was all about. Um, But I knew the type that I needed and I gravitated towards it. 
But it's important that you recognize what is the one thing that without it, you're unhappy. So without autonomy, I am miserable, like I said, personally or professionally. And it's important that I know that so that if I'm in a situation, maybe I can't leave to go to another school, then I've got to talk to my leadership team and say, one thing I want you to know about me is I am a teacher that needs autonomy. Maybe you can't let me write the lesson plans the way I need to write them. Maybe you can't let me do direct instruction or small groups the way that I want. But maybe you can give me some school-wide initiative to plan, and I can plan it any way I want. I just need something in my life where I have space and room to be me, to be creative, to do things without someone breathing down my back and telling me how to do it. And I think your principal will say, I respect you for coming to me and letting me know what you need from me. That's very concrete, very specific, so I know how to address you. I know what opportunities to throw your way. I now know what you're frustrated with, and I can alter my approach, or I can push you in other areas and and pull back in these areas. Um, It just builds a bridge to how you're feeling inside, but you know it's you know, I'm not doing my best in the classroom, not because I'm not capable and not because I'm not prepared and doing the behind the scenes work. It's the way that I'm being encouraged and motivated isn't like my love language. I don't know how else to describe that. It's not, it's not my motivating force. Here's one thing I need. You know, my husband is that belonging. He needs people. He needs to be feeling part of the group. That's not me. It's not that it doesn't motivate me, but it is not my number one. Um, And without autonomy, I would be miserable, and I have been miserable before. So when I read this from Robin, hallelujah, you know, let the angels sing. I am now free from that feeling of I wasn't good, and it it wasn't that at all. My talent never changed. It was always there. It was the leadership style didn't mesh, didn't motivate me with my number one characteristic, which was autonomy. And I hope you find my story helpful in knowing that it's not possible for you to be an excellent and horrible teacher, depending on, you know, which leader's lens you're looking through. You're a teacher who is motivated more by a certain factor. And if that factor is not present in the leadership of your principal, then you're bound to not live up to your potential. So get real with yourself, then get real with your leader. It's the best thing you can do for the both of you. All right, Elite Educators, that is a wrap for this week's podcast on knowing your number one motivator so that you can find a leader you can blossom under. Now go out and be great because you've just been empowered. This podcast is a member of the Education Podcast Network, a podcast network that encourages you to think about your profession and succeed in the world of education. Whether you're a first-year educator or a seasoned veteran, there is a podcast for you. All of the shows are produced by educators who want to shape education through meaningful discussion and content. So head on over to edupodcastnetwork.com for more details.